Sunshine State. This is Tampa Bay's Tan Talk. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. His career made him a legend. Three stars. We should be naming a base after the man, not sending him here. One mistake. Disregard of direct verbal orders resulting in the death of eight American soldiers. Cost him his freedom. What do you expect from your time here at the castle? Nothing. Do my time, go home. That is the perfect answer. Afternoon, sir. This thing that you're doing with your hand, if grabbing your hair, what's that? That was a salute. A salute? No, I don't think so. What are you doing? Saluting amongst prisoners is prohibited. You get on Winter's bad side, you're done. I'm not fighting anyone or anything anymore. Dad, you're a great man. You've done so much for this country. Twice in the last year, there have been accidents. Where men have been hit in the head and killed. I've been hearing some pretty disturbing things about what goes on in here. But until you spend some time in the yard with those animals, you have no idea what happens in there. Don't put me in the hole! The men don't want better food, they don't want more TV. They just want your resignation. Well, then I better go pack. You're a sergeant major. I was. Prisoners! Fallen! They're calling Irwin chief. That's their word for general. The men are assembled, sir. The general is getting himself an army. Gentlemen, I propose that we seize control of this facility. I don't need to justify myself to you, do I? I don't know. Do you? You have three years left with us. Does three months sound better? You're asking me to be your snitch, sir. These men need you, and I need you. Why do you think I should help you? Oh, let me guess, you're going to make me a soldier again? Now! You are no longer soldiers. Each one of you is nothing more than the shadow of a soldier. When they do take over the prison, they're going to fly the flag upside down. Prison! Hops! Upside down. It'll mean the castle's fallen, sir. DreamWorks Pictures presents Robert Redford, James Gandolfini, Mark Ruffalo, and Delroy Lindo. I'm taking control of your prison. Like hell you are. The Last Castle. Is this a paying customer? Is this a paying customer? Say, 50 bucks, the Smales kid picks his nose. Okay, you got it. 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 You
Come on, buddy. Don't do it, don't. Here you go. Here you come. All right, kid, take your time. Now, don't do it. Come on, come on. Most people, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to pay $75 for tires. So they hear they're only $49.95. Then you got to buy all them extras, like, do you want them on the car? <laughs> no, I'll just eat them here. Is this a paying customer? You want them balanced? What are you going to say? Hell no, I like to go down the road, have them go, bam, 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 bam. And that's what we're talking about tonight, because one little slip, you're out. This is a paying customer. This is Ted Nugent celebrating the American dream on nostalgic radio and cars. Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Ready your computers at Google Tantalk, 1340.com, and you can see moi live here in the studios. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com. And if you've missed any of our past shows or you want to find out where all our shows are hidden, no, I should listen, or available for you to listen to, visit Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Bobby. How are you? <laughs> You're just gobbling fine. Okay, well, hey, this is our uh, Thanksgiving special. Thanksgiving special right here at downtown Clearwater. But anyway, we are having some fun tonight. We have a very special guest. We have part two. Part two with Joe Chambers from the Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum in Nashville, Tennessee. So we'll have Joe on here in a few minutes. But I thought in the meantime we'd have a little fun, right, Bobby? Okay, so that's uh, so Bobby's uh, in driving the uh, radio station this evening. You know how to drive a radio station? <laughs> yep, and uh, Lola Jean, broadcast queen, she's also hiding in the radio station here somewhere. But anyway, you never know; she might come barging in on us. But uh, on that note, let's just see. Okay, so what we do this weekend? Well, actually, this weekend we actually did something. I actually went to a couple car shows. I went to the vintage truck show or truck club. Of Florida, there's a big event they got coming up in uh, March, and it's uh, at the um, Paget's. Uh, I'm going to say farm in Leesburg, Florida. We will bring you details on that. Pat, Pat, yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Thank golly, I got Bobby hanging here and covering for me when I this dementia thing. I got to really go see a doctor. I mean, this is like my mind is. I'm forgetting things, forgetful. I mean, when I walk into the shop and I have to go get a tool, and then 10, 10 minutes later, or 10 seconds later, I go, why not come in here, Bobby? You know, remember? But at any rate, um, as long as I, yeah, somehow when I get in, uh, you know, right here, the studio, the table, the mic, uh, the banner here by our good friend, uh, Dougie, uh, at the sign shop, you know, that banner. That's what? Almost 11 years now we've had that thing. And it's held up very, very well. That's good. We, yeah, we had it at a number of uh, car shows. We used to take it to uh, Silver Springs all the time up there in uh, 
What's that? That's uh, Marion County, right? Okay, so anyway, so uh, what did you do this weekend? Okay, so I went over to the truck club. That was actually over in Sumter County. And then I went all the way up to uh, the Villages, which I, lately I've been going there. I just kind of like that show. It's a town square. It's Spanish. What's it called? Spanish something or other? Bob, do you remember what it is? What's it called? Spanish something. What's that thing up there in... Whatever it is. Someplace up there in, 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 in the Villages. And um, Spanish... Springs, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, yes. S P R. Anyway, so they had that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, well, yeah, it's true. And I actually have a. a, a you can tax me like we used to do that. But at any rate, so that's uh, Spanish Springs, right? And they had, they had, they had a band there. And, and, the, and the whole square is town square, you know, lots of restaurants, little shop stores, stuff like that. It's just kind of old school. It's like stepping back in time, you know, back in uh, the good old days, like the 50s and 60s. It actually kind of reminds me of the Times Square that they used in um, Back to the Future with uh, Chris Lloyd and. God, I can't remember the other guy's name. It's, um, anyway, the DeLorean thing. Anyway, and 88 miles an hour, 87 miles an hour, something like that, back in time, whatever it is. But anyway, so it's pretty cool. A lot of cool cars. You know what I thought was interesting? I was always amazed at how many cars are four speeds, okay? So when you see a four speed in the car, you know that generally the guy likes driving, likes uh, hammering the gears and shifting, and, you know, he's probably a real true car guy, and he, chances are he wrenches on it. Because if you're going to four-speed, you have to be able to wrench on it because you're either adjusting a clutch or something. Something's fall, something's coming loose or going to fall off the car. That's just the way it is. Anyway, but uh, I was amazed at how many guys. And, they, and everybody, it seems like, that I talked to that had a four-speed car knew a lot about their car. There was a guy up there with a 68, 428 and a half, 68 and a half, 428 Cobra Jet Mustang. He's there every year. It's factory four-speed. There was a few handful of those cars. I forget. There might have been maybe... 100, 200, I can't remember exactly, forgot, but very limited. Most of them were automatic, so they were basically automatic. Uh, they were race cars. There was another guy that I met there, and uh, he was a original owner of 78Z28, a yellow Z28 sitting there, and I thought that was pretty cool because I walked by it, and you know, generally I first thing I do is I peek my head and see what, uh, whether there was a handshaker or not in there. And sure enough, he had a four-speed in there, and I talked to him for a little bit, and he was the original owner, spec it out, order it, and he bought it, I think, when he was uh, stationed at some place when he got out of uh, the military or whatever it was. And it, uh, four-speed Z28, 77, or 78 car, so pretty nice car, original. It's had one little paint job on it, I mean, a little touch at the quarter. Other than that, all original car. But there was a lot of There was goats up there. There was Roadrunners up there. There was other Mustangs up there. A few foreign cars, not too many. A lot of street rods. A couple Corvettes with four-speeds in them, no less. Thunderbirds, five, six, seven Thunderbirds. I mean, pretty much a good cross section of cars. You know, a lot of stuff. Some hot rods, street rods. You know, all that other good stuff. So that was cool. That was what we did on Saturday, third Saturday of the month, is up at the village. Sunday, I went to what they call the Field of Dreams show in uh, Brooksville. Now, it's actually a, fr a Saturday Sunday event, but I just happened to go by there on Saturday on Sunday. And I met another interesting guy there, and uh, there was a 65 Impala sitting there. It was kind of cool-looking car. Didn't think much of it, you know, but I walked by it. But I saw the dog dishes on it, and I thought, well, all right, let me just peek in there. Sure enough, bench seat and the magical four-speed. You know, the wand was in there. And uh, so I thought that was cool. So I just talked to the guy. His name was Carlos. Pretty cool guy. And uh, he actually ordered, back in the day, in 1965, an SS. Well, it really wasn't an SS. He ordered an Impala. 
with a bench seat, a four-speed, and a 409, because he had owned a few 409 cars before that. He went in the service, did his time. He ordered the car when he came out. When he came in, because it was a mid-production um, 65, the 409 was no longer available. That was the last year you can get a 409 in a Chevrolet. But it was the introduction of the uh, rat motor, the, port, the 396. But also, a late 65 was also the introduction of the 427, the porcupine motor. So his car, the one that he had there this time, when he ordered his new car, it came in with a 396. Solid for 375 horse. Okay. No, actually, take it back. Four and a quarter horse. They were rated at four and a quarter back in 65. The car that he had here at the car show was a late production, June production, 65 Impala, bench seat, four speed, 427. Even though it had 396 badges on it, he had the paperwork. He had the bill sheet there. The bill sheet and the invoice said 427 Turbojet. So I thought that was kind of cool. And, uh, Single four-barrel, high-rise, square port, all the good stuff. So I'm guessing it's probably four-and-a-quarter horse because it didn't say horsepower. It just said 450, uh, 427 turbojet or whatever it was. So he had all the documentation on it. He even knew the exact date code on it. It was 086, if I remember correctly, was the date code, which is on the buck tag or the data plate on the, on the firewall. Nicely done. All original car, survivor car. Apparently came from Texas originally. He found it somewhere. And he was very, very proud of that car. And it was really, really, a truly a nice car. Now, of all the cars there, there was lots of really, really nice cars. That car stood out. Because somehow, I'm like a magnet. I always go to the car at the show that is probably, in my opinion, from a collector's guy's perspective and an appraiser, probably the most unique car. And that car would have got my award. And just like the 78 Z28, there was other cool cars there. Okay, but this particular event, and I've seen the 428 Mustang before. You know, I'm a Ford guy. Uh, the the Z28 would have got my award. Okay, so that's two Chevrolets in a row. Now, on that note, I think Bobby's going to fire up the stereo, and we're going to go ahead and tweak the uh, turntable here, and we're going to tweak the. T- we're going to go way back. All right, hey, you tuned into Nostalgic Game Cars. I'm not sure what Bobby's uh, dug out of the archives, but he's going to surprise us with some sort of really cool vintage song. Here at the White House for a special report on the energy crisis. Uh, Mr. President, how would you describe the energy problem? How would you sum up the steps you've taken so far to ease the situation? Mr. President, how fast will the price of gasoline continue to rise? And for the millions of Americans waiting for the gas shortage to end, have you any message? With me now is Energy Commissioner Schlesinger. Uh, sir, what are you doing to help conserve energy? I try to get undressed without the light. Can you tell us why Governor Brown of California is not here at this conference? He's a working pump of gas. I have a long-distance phone call from Governor Brown. Mr. President, have you anything to say to the governor? Mr. President? Mr. President? Mr. President? That's enough! Just arriving are President Sadat of Egypt and Prime Minister Begin of Israel. Gentlemen, have you any comment? We both are so excited because we're reunited. 
With me is Senator Ted Kennedy, a senator I see the head of the oil industry, the energy commissioner, and the president are coming to join us. Have you anything to say? Here come the jesters! One, two, three. Mr. President, what is your attitude towards Senator Kennedy? We are family. Mr. President, have you a final statement for the American people? I want you to want me. We are going into the president's car for an on-site inspection of the energy situation. <laughs> Mr. President? Mr. President? Looks like the president's car is out of gas. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than flacarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, flacarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at flacarshows.com. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Tune in to Rock and Roll and Nostalgia Creative and Cars here. How are we doing, Bob? We're just standing. Okay, so uh, I guess we're going to be digging into the. Uh, we're rocking. Yeah, we're, we're going to be digging into the oil reserves here pretty soon. So let's see how fast gas really comes down to normal. That was 1979. That was the last gas short. No, that was. Uh, there, was some, there was a bunch of them in between, but that was the big one back in the late 70s. But that one works fine because we're trying to get the message across. Okay, that, that's that's pretty much what we did. But anyway, so why don't you go ahead and uh, get ready to get our guests on the show, and I will just say, uh, 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 get you. Oh yeah, go ahead, Bobby. Yeah, because the Rip Shack Barbecue. Yeah, but year after year, though, they will do your turkey. Was it $5 or something like that? Six, 25 Okay. So you basically – it takes about a day, really. Don't they, Do they do ham, too, or are they just doing the turkeys? I think you can bring them ham, too? Okay. But – okay. Well, that's good. Anyway, on that note, I think Bobby's going to fire up another uh, – what was I talking about? Well, let's see. Car shows, this, that, and that. Songs. Oh, yeah, music, 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 music. Okay, so we're looking forward to having our guests on the show here in a few minutes. But uh, the, the clip that I'm going to be playing here in a second is from a movie called Follow Your Dream. Or Follow That Dream. Or is it Follow Your Dream or Follow That Dream? Follow That Dream. And it was an Elvis Presley movie, and it was filmed in beautiful Citrus County. Back in 1961, and actually up in Inglis, which would be the most northern part of Citrus, and, and it actually uh, they named the street, which is the one that runs out to the boat ramps. It's called Follow Your Follow Your Dream Boulevard, right, Bobby? That's in Levy County. State Road 40. 
All right. Well, doesn't it kind of meander in there? So it's part citrus, part part levy. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Split down the middle. Kind of like uh, Largo on Belcher. If you're no, on Bel Air Road, half of it's Largo, the other half is Clearwater or something like that. Can, oh, yeah. Can, that's what a county line road is. Okay. Anyway, on that note, we're going to play a little uh, Tom Petty since we're on the Florida thing. And here's a little breakdown, which is something I do occasionally in my car. But anyway, on that note, you're tuned into Nostalgia Reading with Cars. Don't touch that dial. I like it loud. Well, what are you waiting for? Where's your gun? I got it. Go up, please. 
you know what? She said, what? I say, what? Oh, I'm not the marrying kind. They insist that the giving sound advice. But as sure as you're living, it ain't sound, it ain't nice. Oh, me a girl with a dimple on her cheek. But her mouth's in her mouth when she opens it to speak. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, take the flashlight. And uh, you're tuning into Nostalgic Reading Cards. It's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. And I'm delighted to welcome back. Back. <laughs> I'll be okay. Here, welcome back our guest for part two of our interview with uh, Joe Chambers. And uh, he's the president and founder of the fabulous Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum in Nashville, Tennessee. Joe, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Pretty good. Hey, listen, we uh, kind of—I want to kind of pick up where we left off last year or last week. Last year, I'll be okay. Dementia's setting in, so that's that's my my latest excuse. Um, but at any rate, uh, the music, the musical instruments that you have in the museum—how do you how do you how do you acquire those? Do you contact people? Do they contact you? And 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 how long are they? How does the whole process work? Well. Uh... About every way you can think of, really. Um, this has been going on for a long time now, so I was not a collector. I didn't have anything. The only thing I had when I opened the museum up, or when I started on it, was I had a piano that belonged to a record producer, a president of CBS Records that I worked for, and I wrote for, and he wanted me to learn how to play piano, and so I, when he got a new one, I bought his old one, that he had written many country standards on, and I just had that at the house. But so that was the first thing I had. Uh, and then uh, and I started telling people what I was going to do. Then um, I remember my, my buddy uh, Donway Lett, who was when I used to have guitar shops, and uh, he was my ovation. Uh, Takamini rep, and he, I saw him walking across the parking lot one day at one of my stores, and he had a, he was just dragging this, I didn't know what it was, it was, it was awkward looking, but it was, looked heavy, and he, closer he got, I realized it was an amplifier, and it had belonged to Glenn Campbell, and had stencil on the top of it, the Glenn Campbell show, so that was the second thing that I got, and uh, I just went from there, and then I, you know, started, um, buying anything that I felt would fit the museum. Um, some people put stuff on loan, and and uh, a lot of the ones that originally put stuff on loan, we ended up acquiring it uh, permanently and just went ahead and bought it. But I try to try to own as much as I can because uh, somebody comes in and 
see something they like, and then they tell somebody about it, or they come back and it's gone. It's kind of disappointing. And so um, that's, that's how you do it. You know, you just it's just a matter of uh, of, of meeting people and contacting people, them contacting you, and you find out whether they want to loan it or sell it or, you know, you just work it out as you go. So Musicians Hall of Fame. So it's predominantly musical instruments, correct? That's right, yeah. Okay. Well, that's obviously an important part of the, the, the process there a little bit. So what are the more – so if I – could you give us kind of like a walkthrough? If you're going into – if we're walking into your museum, how is it kind of broken down? Is it broken down by, by years, by uh, genre, by style of music, country rock? Uh, um, you know, jazz. I mean, how is it based? And is, are there any limitations to the musical instruments? Well, actually, that's a really good question, and uh, I, I struggled with that when I was trying to figure out how I was going to do this. We, if we don't feature singers, and that, you know, the rock hall, the country hall, all these other halls are saying when they induct a band, they induct the whole band, whether the singer is a musician or not. And in our case, it, well, it would have been redundant to just open another rock and roll style Hall of Fame or country music style Hall of Fame. We wanted to focus on the, the musicians, whether they were very well known to the public, like a somebody like a Jimi Hendrix, or if they were not known at all, like um, uh, a lot of the session players here in Nashville. And not just Nashville, but in uh, Detroit and um, Los Angeles and uh, uh, Muscle Shows, Alabama, Atlanta, any every major recording city. And um, so that's that was my my problem was trying to figure out how to structure the museum. And what I came up with was just. The cities themselves. So the first, when you come out of our introductory uh, video out of the theater, you're in the National Hallway because that's where you are. You're in Nashville, so we we put it first, and we did we did put up some country, some Grand Ole Opry uh, stars clothing in there, just as a tip of the hat to all singers who have put musicians to work, whether in the studio or on the road. And then from there on, it's just you, you got to be a, 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 well, a really well-known or a really great player. And so uh, we have our national hallway that has, and of course a lot of people have learned since we've been open that Nashville is much more than just country music, and it always has been. Um, and so um, even though Jimi Hendrix lives here and learned how to play guitar here, he has his own separate exhibit, really big one. But uh, so he's not actually in the national hallway because he covers so many other cities and genre. You know, uh, London to New York. To, I mean, there's a lot of people. Seattle, they all claim him. But but he, he said he learned how to play guitar in Nashville. That's something a lot of people don't realize until they get there. But uh, the national hallway has uh, a lot of really great session musicians, instruments in it, um, ranging from like Pete Drake. Uh, was my kind of like my first. Uh, Pete was when I thought of a session musician. He was the guy that I thought of 
first because Pete was the definition of a great session musician. He played steel guitar on George Jones. He stopped loving her today and many, many other hits for Jones. And he played the steel on Jones' wife, Tammy Wynette, on songs like uh, Stand By Your Man. Um, he played, speaking of George, he played steel guitar on George Harrison's All Things Must, All Things Must Pass album. Uh, he played steel guitar on Lay Lady Lay and, and other sessions for, for Bob, Bob Dylan. Here. Yeah. Interesting. And so he uh, he played, he's the one that, that introduced Frampton to the top box on the All Things Must Pass album. And so um, Peter said, what's that? And he said, well, watch, you know. And and so that's that's how he was introduced to it. He's 18 years old. He was in between bands and uh, between The Herd and Humble Pie. So he uh, he was, Harrison asked him to be a, a session player on his album. And so that's how that happened. So anyway, uh, then we got, a, we have a, a, a Memphis Hall, actually two Memphis Hallways. Memphis was a major, major Music Center with the Sun Records. And of course, it all started there with Sun with Elvis. And but actually, before Elvis walked in Sun Studios, it was Alan Wolf and BB King and Ike Turner. And so it was it was mainly an R and B studio until until Elvis hit. And then Roy Orbison came in, and Johnny Cash and and Jerry Lee Lewis and all those guys. And so we have a, we have a uh, uh, a real nice, a big uh, Sun Studio replica. Uh, and, and, and of course, all these uh, all these cities and these studio replicas that we've built, we wanted to make people think they maybe went to Sun Studios if they never went there. So when you walk in the museum, we've got a really big replica of the front of Sun, and actually the inside of Sun is the exhibit, and uh, along with instruments that were actually used on records there and so forth, and. Uh, same thing with Stack Records uh, uh, Studios in in Memphis. That's where Booker T and the MGs, our good friend and musician Hall of Fame inductee Steve Cropper, with his newest album. He's eighty, he's 80 years old, and he just had uh, his new album uh, fired up, uh, nominated for a Grammy uh, this year. And um, so Booker T and the MGs with the house band there, they were the studio musicians that played on. All those great records out of stacks. Uh, Hold on, I'm coming. Knock on wood. Soul man sitting on dock of the bay. Uh, Steve, you know, wrote in the midnight hour. I mean, Hal uh, uh, Wolf recorded there too. Um, uh, so, um, and then there was High Studios, which I don't have anything about, but I, it was also in Memphis. But uh, we do have uh, uh, Sun. Uh, Stack and then American Studio, and that's where Elvis cut his last hit record was the Suspicious Minds, and we actually have the in, the actual interior out of the studio. Only in we rebuilt it. We the the last owner of American Studio, he actually had his son before they tore the building down. Take out the uh, vocal booth and and a lot of the the um, soundproofing walls and everything and. We reassembled it in the museum, and it, it looks just like it did when it was standing in Memphis. And uh, so many hip songs were recorded in there, like The Letter by the Box Tops and um, Cry Like a Baby by the Box Tops. 
Angel, Angel in the Morning, um, Mr. Bojangles, uh, uh, Hooked on a Feeling by B.J. Thomas, uh, uh, Neil Diamond did uh, the, the big one, um, Sweet Caroline. And so anyway, that's kind of what the museum's all about. We, we have all kinds of uh, different cities represented in studios and and all the instruments in there that are featured are are the real um, the real uh, instruments that we use on the records. Do you ever take the exhibit on the road? No. Well, we did one time. Um, we uh, back in when I first opened the museum up, we we bought a building in two thousand and the November of two thousand three right across the street from the Country Music Hall of Fame, or across the parking lot. And we spent uh, two and a half years re- renovating it, and it was about a 30,000-square-foot building. And um, so I guess we've been open about a year and a half. The city came to me and said they were going to um, expand the uh the convention center uh, right across in between the parking lot in the parking lot between the country hall and the musicians hall and um, it ended up that they ended up taking my whole building by eminent domain and so um, while we were out of a building for uh, I was contacted by this uh, company uh, it's on fairs. It's called a Big E Fair up in uh, Connecticut. And uh, they wanted about 3,000 square foot of exhibit from the museum, and we did that one time up there at the Big E Fair for about 20 days. You know, it was, it was about, I don't know, two or three million people visit it. And so we figured, well, let's, they're going to pay us to do it. We're not doing anything else, but um, that's the only time we've ever done that. Uh, something else I want to talk to you about: backstage interviews. You, uh, you yourself are a show host and do uh, interviews with uh, numerous uh, musical celebrities. Why don't you tell us a little bit about backstage? Well, musicians all the same backstage. Well, it kind of ties into what I just told you. Uh, actually, uh, when we <clears throat> built the first museum, it was in the thick of, of downtown Nashville. Where the tourists are, and, and tourists are really the people that visit museums. Uh, locals are not in every city; don't usually go to visit what tourists come there to see. And um, a lot of people here in Nashville never go to the Grand Ole Opry, or go to the Country Music Hall of Fame, or or go to our museum. Either one, but tourists do. It's just like me; I go to you know, I don't go. I don't do anything either. <laughs> you know, we go to New York and we're we, we're like you know wild dogs set free, and we go everywhere. You know, and go to Chicago, that kind of thing. You know, you you hit all the spots that you're supposed to go to, and but when you're you know when you're in your hometown, you get off work, and you're like, oh man, I go, let's just go home and watch TV. You know, and and so that's what most people do. So um, when the city took my original museum by eminent domain. Um, and we we were closed for three and a half years to while we worked out a deal to move where we are now and and had to re had to build it twice in a 
short period of time. And um, and also, it was not, it was like eight blocks off Broadway. Uh, so, most tourists don't just say, hey, let's walk up this street eight blocks and see what's up here, you know? <laughs> I mean, they got to know you're there, uh, you know, to want to go see you. And, and so... Um, that was one of the challenges that I had moving to where we are. We, we're in a very historic musical building in the uh, Nashville Municipal Auditorium. It's been so many... I mean, it's easier to say that Elvis and... I'm sorry, he did play there. Um, Beatles and Hendrix uh, didn't play there. Then try to tell you who all has played there since 1962. Above our museum, we have about a 68,000-square-foot floor, that, that the first floor that we're on, that we occupy... And above us is the 10,000 seat, very historic um, uh, arena that you name it. Like I said, pr- pretty much everybody you can think of during that te- time period, 62 until till now, um, has played there with the exception of, of the Beatles and, uh, and Jimi Hendrix. Although Hendrix walked by there when he was a resident there, you know, going to Printer's Alley to play. Which we also have the stage out of Printer's Alley in the museum that he actually played on too. That's something else we have. But um, the show was originated to. Well, well, let me back up one more time. I really knew nothing about museums, really, other than just have visited a couple uh, when I decided to do this, and so I went to every music museum, and for that fact, every kind of museum I could think of to see what made a museum. And uh, like when I went to the country hall and to the stacks and to um, uh, the, country, the rock hall, all of them had video screens next to uh, well, many of the exhibits. I said, well, okay, I need to start interviewing these people that I'm gathering their instruments from. And uh, so that we can, you know, have an archive and, uh, and, and, and if need be, show them on video screens throughout the museum when visitors come, uh, little clips and so forth. And so the first videos that I did, I just went and bought a, a camera. Luckily, they had some really nice cameras. They just dropped down in price from, you know, $25,000, $30,000 for the quality camera I got. They're four or 5000 back in in '04. And I went and bought a nice camera, and I just went to, you know, New York and L.A. and and everywhere, most of shows, and just started interviewing all the people that we uh, intended on having exhibits for in the museum. And uh, that was just one camera. I did not intend my voice to be heard. Uh, I didn't, never intended to be seen. And I was just going to take them and edit them and take the, the, the best of the interviews and, you know, two or three minute clips and put them throughout the museum. That's, that that was way that was before YouTube really existed, as far as I know, and um, so I had a large number. Uh, I mean, lots and lots of uh, mini cassette tapes, uh, DVD tapes that I had stored up over the years since two thousand four, and um, so I said, okay. Even I even need to let the locals here in town know that where we are and so forth. And uh, 
you know, you could spend everything you make advertising huh. and still not hit everybody you want to hit, you know. So uh, I said, well, I think I'll just, I had an idea back in the 90s for, uh, uh, when I was watching A&E. Uh, I saw these these uh, shows um, where white women were weaving baskets, and I'd sit there and watch them on Sunday just, you know, as a couch potato, and I'm like, wow, if I watch this, maybe they'll watch a show about a musician, you know, and, and I thought it'd be a good promotion for my guitar shop. And I had asked Chad and Dwayne Eddy and oh God, Don Everly and people that I knew that, you know, frequent to my store or I knew through writing songs and so forth. Yeah, we'll do it, you know. And But the thing was, was back then the cameras were, like I said, $25,000, $30,000, and I didn't know what I was doing, and I couldn't. There was not the outlet. I mean, there was a few cable channels, but it cost you an arm and a leg to 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 buy the time, unless you were able to sell the advertising to cover the time. And I just, it just it just I just never did it. You know, it just kind of it went away. And the and the, the idea did, but the, I just couldn't pull it together. And so, um, I, in 2019. Um, I said, you know, I think this is probably a good time to dig up that idea again and just and do a show about the museum and and I there so I went to the local CBS uh, affiliate Channel Five and they had a uh, digital channel here in, in Nashville and I said, hey, you guys want to do a you know a uh, a music show? Yeah, okay. Well, I said, look, I'll produce it. I'll I'll shoot it on the stage of our of our stage in the museum and um i'll bring it to you edited and done and and um so that's what we did and uh it after about four months i realized a lot of people weren't watching the digital channel and um my son-in-law said joe you know that uh, channel five is airing your your Musicians Hall of Fame backstage show on their YouTube channel, and they're getting a lot of views. And I'm like, no, I didn't know that. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not even that much familiar with YouTube. And uh, uh, he said, well, why don't we put it on your YouTube channel? I said, I don't even know. I didn't even know that we still had one for the museum, but we did. And so we put it up, and it, and uh, I think it was the first one we put up was. Um, Hmm. Kicks Brooks, Brooks and Dunn, and we, you know, he came over and we shot the show, and then, uh, and, and I, you know, I did, you know, Garth and uh, uh, Steve Cropper, who, like I told you, just got nominated today for mm-hmm. Grammy, and uh, Dwayne Eddy, and all these people, a lot of them that I talked to twenty years ago. <laughs> I said, "Well, I finally got around to doing it." You know, you, you want to be on the show, so uh, Dwayne said, "Well, I figured you'd get around to it one day," you know. And, and so we, you know, we we did those shows, and and, uh, and they did really well. And uh, they were they were half hour programs for like regular TV, and uh, we cut away from commercial and all that. And again, my son in law being smart and young and hip, knowing what's going on, he said, "Well, you know, actually, Joe, uh, people that watch YouTube don't tend to have a long, uh, you know, uh, time to spend watching. They may, you know." 30 minutes, you know, they might watch 8 or 10 minutes or 12 minutes. Would you mind if I cut down one of your shows and just 
pick out part that I liked, and we just title it. And I said, "Go ahead." And he, and he says, "Well, actually, I've already done one. If you don't, if you'd like to look at it." So he, I said, "Yeah, that's cool." And I, it was one I did with uh, with, with Steve Lucas from Toto, um, and um, he had played, you know, as studio musician. Toto is all studio musicians who got together and had a great rock band, and still do. And and uh, so he cut out a section about about that Steve was talking about Michael Jackson calling him up and him hanging up on Michael three times because he didn't think it was really him. And that was he was asking him to play on the on the Thriller album uh, and on Beat It, you know, and uh, I think that's what it was on. Yeah. And uh, so it went from 25,000 views up to like a million four hundred thousand views just by editing it to, you know, 10 minutes or 12 minutes, something like that. And so we started doing that with all the interviews, which was great because it gave us a lot of new product to put up. And then COVID hit. And um, so I had just got back from L.A. I interviewed uh, Paul McCartney's uh, guitarist um, that he's, he's got now, uh, uh, Brian Ray. And then I went over to uh, see uh, Robbie Krieger with the Doors. And that was the last two interviews that I did, and before everything got shut down in March. And I'm like, this is this is terrible, you know, because you know the museum is getting well known through YouTube, and it's kind of like it was kind of like reminiscent of when the city took my first museum away and had to shut us down. It's kind of like almost being closed down again. Well, we were closed down because of COVID, and then. With, you know, I didn't want to do any new interviews, and I didn't know anybody that wanted to do any new interviews until we figured out what was going on, you know, with this COVID thing. And uh, and then I remembered I had all these one-camera interviews that I started shooting back in 2004. And so we just, I went in and I, and I shot a brand new intro to them, and we, we, you know, we cut them into 10 to 15-minute segments. And um, we called it the Vault Series because they had been in the vault for years. You know, nobody's seen them ever. I didn't even remember them, to be honest with <laughs> And um, I really didn't know if they were any good or not. And um, so we go back, and and they did just as well, if not better. And the thing was, is a lot of those people had already passed away. And so it was people that you couldn't interview anymore, you know. And, it's, it, and uh, so it went over. They, You know, we just now... Are, have, are running out of those like right now and um so um but but luckily you know the you know um i got a call one day from um don mcclain's uh manager and he said he wanted to be on the show and i said well you know i had you know we, neither one of us had, had shots yet because they, they weren't open to the public and i said well man you know i'm kind of tired of being shut in and you know, the the set, you know, we'll be five or six feet apart. Let's just don't call and spit on each other, and uh, I'll do it if you will, you know. So we did it, and that's how we started back doing the, the, the backstage interviews again. And then my good friend and just great guy around uh, Vince Gill was the next one, and then Emmy Lou Harris. And, and then, you know, we just did Skunk Baxter not long ago. And um, so that's, uh, you know, people like that. So I'm... Um, you know, looking to shoot some new ones now, and that's how it goes. 
Well, you know, sadly, you, uh, we are up against the clock again. But, Joe, I enjoyed having you on the show here the last uh, couple of weeks. And I would like to do this again in the future. So I definitely want it. We're going to make it to NAM next year. But sometime between now and then, I want to get you back on the show, and I want to hear some more stories. And I'm sure my listeners want to hear some more stories. But one more time for the listeners, go ahead and give out all the information on the uh, Museum's Hall of Fame or the Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum. All right, well, it's the, you said it, Musicians Hall of Fame Museum. We have a website, Musicians Hall of Fame, uh, dot com, I think. I forgot. <laughs> I, I, I have to chuckle because I do the same thing. I'm going, Jesus, something like that. And my son always correct me. We will definitely give it out. We will promote it. Uh, I will definitely be there next year. I look forward to meeting you personally and look forward to having you get on the show. And I want to thank you for hanging out with us here at Nostalgia Greenham and Cars. Well, I appreciate you having me as a guest. And, uh, Look forward to talking to you again. Sounds good. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you, all right? Same to you, and Merry Christmas. Oh, Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you. All right. Hey, I want to thank my special guest, Joe Chambers, president and founder of the Musicians Hall of Fame and Museum in Nashville, Tennessee. Definitely got to check this out. Definitely got to check out NAM too, you know, and... uh, so, hey, I want to wish everybody a very happy Thanksgiving this weekend. And uh, the Turkey Rod Run is going on, if you're a car guy. Uh, last week was Moultrie also. We didn't get to that one. But, hey, a lot of cool stuff going on. Check out uh, FLACarshows.com. Don't forget to check out our website every week. Well, actually, our radio show here every week between 7 and 8 p.m. on the Tan Talk Radio Network. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com. And if you've missed any of our past shows, Nostalgia Getting Cars. In the meantime, I want everybody to have a great holiday. Happy Thanksgiving. Stay safe. Drive carefully. And Love your family. WTAN, Clearwater, FM 106.1, WDCF, Dade City, FM 102.3, WZHR, Zephyr Hills, FM 104.3. Listen.